Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, where we explore how to make space for everyone in the yoga community. This podcast is brought to you by the Accessible Yoga Association, a nonprofit organization focused on accessibility and equity in yoga. Hi, I'm your host, Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him, and I serve as the director of Accessible Yoga. And I'm your co-host, Amber Carnes. My pronouns are she and her, and I serve as president of the Accessible Yoga Board of Directors. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's Jeevana, and I'm back with another episode of the Accessible Yoga podcast, and I'm very excited about our special guest today, Robin Rothenberg. Hey, Robin. Hey, how are you, Jeevana? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. I want to just give a short introduction. Um, I know you've been very involved with uh, IAYT for a long time. I actually think I might have met you there many years ago. And um, you have, you're the director of the Essential Yoga Therapy School and also the, the author of the book Restoring Prana, A Guide to Pranayama and Healing Through the Breath as well as the journal that goes with it, right? And that's the Svadhyaya Breath Journal? Right. Is that correct? Right. Mm-hmm. And that just that just came out in 2020, which is, yeah. right, because that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about um, yoga and COVID, which is an area that you're also doing research on right now. Is that right? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm part of a research team in the UK looking at... Um, therapeutic approaches with uh, yoga specifically around the breath and help supporting people with long COVID. And that's been a interest of mine since June of 2020, when I saw the first message, you know, information coming out about long COVID. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, this is not good. And everybody's worried about getting it and what's happening to people in the hospital. And I'm worrying about the millions of people that are going to be debilitated afterwards and what's happening with them. And nobody, nobody at that point, I mean, I don't want to say nobody, but I could not get a lot of traction um, until 2021, a year ago, actually last February, when I was um, asked to uh, co-organize the wellness after COVID conference, which was an international conference um, between um, Give Back Yoga Foundation and the, um, the um, Minded Institute in um the UK, myself, mm-hmm. they asked me to come on board and 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 help to formulate that and um, bring presenters in from all over the world, researchers, doctors, healthcare practitioners, mm-hmm. as well as yoga teachers and therapists to really discuss what are we going to do with the, the aftermath of yeah. COVID, like what people are dealing with physiologically as well as psycho-emotionally. So. And, and um, before COVID, was that the focus of your work in some ways, uh, prana and pranayama? Well, the focus, yes. Yeah, since, I mean, I, as, a, as a yoga therapist, breath and a vini yoga therapist, so breathing and breath has been very central to my practice and my teaching and all of my trainings have been very breath-centered, very much focused on pranayama. Um, that said, um, it wasn't until, and I had a lot of respiratory issues <laughs> um, mm. from childhood. And so that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to practices that involve the breath, because I was looking for ways to manage my own pranic depletion and breathing issues. Mm-hmm. And so pranayama was more interesting to me than it was to many people 
I had a friend who used to say to me, and when I was, we were in yoga teacher training together, she was like, you're the only person I know who actually practices pranayama. Um, but I was like <laughs> desperate for help. And, mm -hmm. um, but when I got really sick with a respiratory illness about, I guess it was, I don't know, maybe like seven years ago, um, and none of the pranayamas were working. In fact, they seemed to be making it worse and I couldn't mm. stop coughing and I was exhausted and wiped out and had no energy. And it was taking me back to my nightmare, early childhood days of chronic illness. And so I, uh, I started investigating outside the world of yoga and that's when I landed on, um, the Buteco breathing, um, breath retraining method and learned everything that I should have learned in yoga school about respiratory health and physiology. And then I learned what I didn't know and that I'd been going around teaching pranayama, but I really didn't even know what it meant to be a functional breather from the outset. Mm. So there was a bit of um, embarrassment and humiliation in having to admit that I had been actually um, casting a lot of um, misinformation out there in the world that came from a big pool of ignorance. And then to rectify that by writing the book, Restoring Prana, and really helping what to do what I can to train yoga teachers and yoga therapists to be more educated about breath and breath education and what we're doing with pranayama. Mm -hmm. So that's my story in a very short nutshell. Yeah, thank you. And I, I'm curious, I don't know if you want to spend time on this, but I'm just curious what some of those mm, incorrect ideas were can you mention a few things that you think maybe that yoga community has gotten wrong yeah uh, sure um well i would say one of the big pieces is um i mean i actually in my book i detail out seven breath myths and i wrote mm -hmm. that like uh, and put it in that framework and they were all based on the things that i learned in yoga school and that, mm -hmm. that I then went out and proselytized to my students um, for mm -hmm. many years and then came to find out, oh my God, that's not <laughs> even the truth. Um, so one of the first big ideas is that be breathing more is healthier. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone says, oh yeah, I love the breath and the breath is fabulous and wonderful and it's the best thing and yeah. Oh, do those big breaths. And actually those big breaths are actually really not conducive to health and they are absolutely antithetical to everything that is taught in the yoga text about what pranayama is about. It's about breathing mm -hmm. less, not more. It's healthier right. to breathe less, not more. I just want to stop you and say, thank you. Like that one. I, I agree. Like I, it always makes me wonder what's going on because it's like, it seems like pranayama, the goal is to actually stop breathing. Right? Is to like that is actually the goal is to become more comfortable, more at uh -huh. ease with breathing, with, with the pauses yes. at between the breaths, the breath suspension. Right. Yes. Yeah. And there's yeah. good so, reason uh, for that because there's yeah. a direct impact on the nervous system and on the mind right. when one can suspend their breath for longer and longer periods of time. Yeah. Um, comfortably. And that's the key. And to do that, it takes training. It's not like you can just like mm, hold your breath. It's right. just going to create stress. You actually have to go through a training process to change your chemistry in order to allow that for, to happen. But yes, that is the goal. <laughs> I know. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah. In your book, you say that you're, look, you're, you're wanting a breath revolution. And I, I love that because I just wrote a book called Yoga Revolution. So yes. I'm curious, what is that? Is that what you're talking about? This kind of reassessment of the way oh, we teach? You know, if I could, I would die a happy woman if, <laughs> if in every yoga teacher training and every yoga class, teachers were, first of all, 
teaching, educating their students to breathe through their nose 100% of the time, inhale and exhale through the nose, that there would be no more of this inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth, like that would just be gone. This is in my ideal world. I understand it's not happening right now, but in my ideal world, that would be number one. Nasal breathing would be become the god and goddess of all breath, right? Mm -hmm. And secondly, that the focus on reducing volume and increasing the capacity for longer breath holds would be considered the, the go-to. Like that just would be like, of course, why would we do it any other way? As opposed to let's see how big the breath can be and who can breathe the noisiest and loudest and make that ujjayi, you know, like hear it across the room, which is totally mm -hmm. antithetical to everything that's written about pranayama yeah. in the yoga teaching. So, yeah. That would be, then I would be happy. That's yeah. all it would take. So all of you listening, yeah. if you want to make Robin happy, <laughs> ship that right now. Yeah. Send me a note and tell me it's done and I will, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always wondered about that, how th this this one breath that seems so common these days of inhale through the nose, exhale from the mouth. I don't, I've never learned that in any yoga tradition. And I was, I I'm surprised to hear it everywhere. I think, I mean, I, I'm more, maybe a little more flexible than you because I think, I'm all into accessibility. So for some people, maybe that's a way in, you know, but it seems like we're stuck on that, right? We're stuck on that idea, like you said, of big breathing, of more, when really I think what you're saying is it should, it, it's all about subtlety. I mean, it's kind of same with asana, you know, it seems like we've gone into this world of like bigger, more, more intense is better when really I think yoga is about subtlety and quietness. No question, no question yeah. right? I mean, the yoga chitta vritina radaha, the the intention of yoga is to quiet the mind. So, you know, movement happens because of vata, right? Do you, do you, is that, a, can I talk that language here or not? Is that? Yeah, as long as we explain okay. it, I think. I will, I'll be happy mean. to explain it. So vata <laughs> is the Ayurvedic dosha that refers to the wind. It's rajasic. It's, it's got air mm -hmm. and space in it. And there's nothing that has more air in it. Than, and movement in it than the breath. The breath is made up of its vata. And the, in, uh, in the Ayurvedic world, what pushes things out of balance 99% of the time is vata because it's the mover. It's going to push into the heat and make things hotter and more inflamed. It's going to push into the, the earth, cool, cool kind of sludgy kapha energy, tamasic energy, and, and slow things down and get things stagnant and stuck. So, um, you know, if there's too much or too little on, on other, either side, it's going to, vata is what's, what's creating that. So reducing vata, reducing movement is a way to calm the mind. So if we're breathing, you know, we're agitating our system. We're not calming our system. We're not quieting our system. We're actually revving it up. And that's, again, it's the opposite of the direction of going into that state of yoga and stillness. Mm -hmm. You just can't right. get there from where you're talking about, you know, like that, yeah. that big movement with breath. And so can you talk about um, COVID? Actually, could you define what long COVID is maybe to help us understand? Oh, um... I, I certainly wouldn't attempt to do what nobody has managed to do up to this point. I mean, it's right. It's so controversial. I was just, I just signed a letter yeah. um, from a group of long haulers who are trying to get some kind of legislation um, to support them with finances. I mean, there's like something like, 5.2 million people at this point mm. who are 
um, basically on disability because, or I don't know that they're getting disability. They, they, they are disabled because of long COVID, the effect they were functioning people's mm -hmm. parents and workers and living their lives. And now they have trouble even keeping track of mm -hmm. a grocery list, right? And getting out of bed. So there's a variety of symptoms. It, it's a post, it, there's post-exertional malaise where any kind of output of energy wipes people out, like even getting up to go to the bathroom. And then they're like, that's it. They can barely do mm -hmm. that. And then they can't do anything else the rest of the day. There's brain fog, which isn't just kind of like, oh, I'm just sort of having one of those days where I can't remember things, but literally like not being able to track or remember um, and, and be accountable in any kind of way on a mental level mm -hmm. to care for themselves, let alone care for others um, and, and get jobs done. Uh, there's, um, there's neurolog neurological issues that can sometimes accompany, you know, some people have all the symptoms and some people just have part of them. Um, there's heart, um, a lot of tachycardia and um, uh, so arrhythmias that some people experience with it. And, um, and then for others, um, there's this uh, post, uh, well, post or the uh, postural orthostatic hypo hypotension where, where like the blood no. pressure suddenly drops and then heart rate goes up. It's, and that's one of the things that leads to exhaustion, but it makes it even hard to go from a sitting position to a standing position without not just getting the woozies, but literally mm -hmm. having, you know, your entire yeah. circulatory yeah. system go cattywampus on you. And multiple times I, a day because we change positions, yeah. right? I, I love that. It's POTS, right? POTS yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah, I think that's really something people need to know more about in yoga in general. Just because if you're working yes. with seniors or anyone with a disability, that often is an issue when you're doing sure. a lot of movement. So. Yeah, um, exactly. All right. And so I wonder if you could tell us about your, well, what you're offering those students with long COVID? I mean, can you yeah. talk about that? Like what sure. you're recommending? Sure. And I didn't mention the respiratory things that go along with oh, it, right. which are often, yes. in, you know, breathlessness is a very common um, uh, long COVID uh, symptom. Mm -hmm. And um, along with that, uh, chronic cough. So even people who didn't seem to have a lot of respiratory issues when they had COVID. And, and there are lots of people with long COVID who actually were fairly asymptomatic or had a very mild case. So they didn't have like a big issue during it. But then later on, like two weeks, three weeks later, they end up with this horrible chronic cough, et cetera. So and chronic mm. coughing is an extremely violent act. I can tell you as a as a lifelong chronic cougher that it has done an incredible amount of damage to Every don't even want to go into the details, but let's just say from the top of my mm -hmm. digestive system all the way down, um, it has caused damage. It's so it it is not something that is okay to just kind of let go. It want mm -hmm. you want to address it. Mm -hmm. So the coughing and the breathlessness, obviously that's directly respiratorily related. However, one of the things that the yogis figured out, whatever it was, five thousand years ago plus, right, was that if you change the way you breathe, it affects every other system of the body. And I have a whole PowerPoint presentation which diagrams this out and graphically. But really and truly, when you change your breath, you affect the cardiovascular system, you affect the digestive system, you certainly affect the nervous system, you also affect the immune system. And so by retraining, which is why pranayama, breathing, 
practices are related to prana and the pranic body. Um, and in uh, terms of Ayurveda, right, the pranic body is where health lives, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's how we are balancing the energies of what we take in and what we put out and our capacity to adjust, digest and assimilate mm-hmm. and to actually experience a sense of vitality. And that's all on, that is not musculoskeletal. I mean, it's not to say that the musculoskeletal system doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I'm a big believer in exercise and maintaining your physical structure. However, the pranic mm-hmm. body is is more the physiologic system, what we think of as the physiologic systems. And prana and pranayama and breathing is the number one tool that, of course, in diet um, are, are critical to balancing that because the breath has such an critically important impact on all those other systems. So when you've got somebody who's in a state of depletion, which is Mm -hmm. what we could say in general, people with long COVID are in a state of depletion. They don't have a good reservoir of of, uh, reserves there for themselves to draw on. So the littlest thing, like I said, even getting up to go to the bathroom wipes them out. Um, Then we have to build from there and that's subtle work And it's really the work of the breath can do a lot because with, if you think about the, the aspect of our being that is chemical, like, you know, we're electrical beings, we're spiritual beings, right? We're also (laughs) chemical beings. There's a lot of chemicals that are flowing through our system all the time, whether they're neurotransmitters or hormones, right? The fundamental Mm -hmm. basis for all of those other chemicals is oxygen and carbon dioxide. And we regulate our oxygen levels and carbon dioxide levels through how we breathe. And of the two, the one that we have control over and that is most closely related to our pH and our alkaline acid balance and our health is carbon dioxide, not oxygen. If we do our carbon dioxide right, which is by Mm -hmm. through breathing, proper breathing and movement, we can regulate our health very much. The oxygen is from the outside. It's really not in, an inside job because we're, our environment will, will dictate that. If we live at, you know, in Santa mm-hmm. Fe, it's going to be different than living in Seattle where I am. Living in Beijing is certainly going to be different than living in, you know, in an area where there's good, good healthy air around. So that's what really determines the oxygen levels. We don't actually use much oxygen from the air. Only 21% of good, healthy air is made up of oxygen. And of that, we only utilize about 5%. But we manufacture CO2 inside of us. Actually, the amount of CO2 in the air, although it's detrimental for the environment, um, is not sufficient to support us in health. We create it. It's part of metabolism. It's a byproduct right. of metabolism. And we can either retain it in our body through proper functional breathing or we leak it, leach it out by breathing big, right. hard, fast, long, stressful, through the mouth, mm-hmm. rapid, <laughs> erratic, sighing, coughing, all of those things. Right. Isn't it that CO2 level that gives us the, um, that the body is sensing in the lungs that makes us feel like we need to take a breath, right? It's is not it- the sense, you, you got part of it, right? The sense, 
the sensor is in the brain, it's in the medulla, it's in the brainstem mm -hmm. that signals for us to breathe. And the more we breathe, the more often we breathe, the bigger we breathe, the more we'll be signaled to breathe. So it becomes mm -hmm. a habitual and vicious cycle, which is why the yogis identified we needed breathing practices to retrain mm -hmm. ourselves to need breath less and to breathe lighter and less often. Right, right. And I believe also... <laughs> Keeping the prana close to the body, I think, is something that um, the yogis were talking about, right? Very yeah, much I, about like the yeah. farther you can feel your yeah. breath from your face with your hand in front of you, the less it's pranayama. So all right. you big breathers, not pranayama. I don't know what it is. You can call it whatever you want, but it has nothing to do with yoga. The more subtly you breathe and the less you can feel your breath, like bring yeah. it right, your finger right underneath your nose and not even feel air passing. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're on the same page. Yeah, I had a, um, I think it's the podcast that comes out just before this one. Um, I, I had a conversation with Amber, my co-host, and uh, we ended up talking about mask wearing and I led a short practice, a, a pranayama practice wearing a mask of, of how it could be useful to kind of Very. sense, sense the breath close to your body. And, you know, although I, you know, I have a history of anxiety. So for me, sometimes that's not helpful to feel like that, you know, closeness, but I know that traditionally, you know, in the yoga system, that is actually one of the things you want to do is sense that keeping the breath close to you, having it slow and calm. That seems like the direction that you're talking about. Yeah. So one of the things that's really interesting that I found in my research is that um, people with chronic anxiety and that are prone towards anxiety attacks and panic attacks um, tend to be chronic hyperventilators. There's a huge correlation. And so mm -hmm. and the hyperventilation, the specific definition of it is that you're you have under production of CO2 in your system mm -hmm. relative mm -hmm. to metabolic needs. So getting for you. Actually, the mask wearing, or sometimes I have people yeah, yeah. do the cupped yeah, hands. Put a bag with, over your mouth, right? right? Yeah. right. Paper bag is a little too <laughs> tiny. Yeah. It's like an N95 mask plus, yeah. right? And in terms of breathability, but the hands, there's a little bit of, of space right there. Yeah. But um, essentially, to rebreathe your CO2 and increase your CO2 levels, and you might be surprised. And because mm -hmm. I work a lot with people with anxiety and they're amazed, it takes it again, it's a skill to teach people. It's like whatever they say, like having a little bit of the, the whatever the hair of the dog that bit you, right? There's a little bit of <laughs> going into that feeling, that felt sense of breathlessness, mm -hmm. right? And sustaining it long enough that your system starts to equilibrate and tolerate higher levels of CO2. So that overall you have this experience of deep calm. And I've had people with severe anxiety or when they, when I'm working with them after a while, they're like, I can't even feel anxiety in me. And I mean, uh, this woman was agoraphobic before that. Like she was, mm, she couldn't wow. even hardly get off the floor. She was so anxious. So it, it, there's, there's ways and means, but it, obviously yeah. that's, that's deep training. That's not what we're talking about here. So I don't yeah, want to get so. off the <laughs> Well, so back to COVID. I mean, what, what are you yeah. doing? What Are there specific practices yeah. or is it individual for each person? It, obviously, you know, as a yoga therapist, I always see things through the lens of individuality and customization. Um, that said, there are some general ideas that I think uh, that I'd like to convey to everybody who's listening, right? 
whether you're a yoga teacher or just interested in this topic or whatever, the number one thing I, I've met, already mentioned a couple of them, which is train yourself to breathe through your nose. Really and truly become aware of the prevalence of your mouth breathing habit. Notice if you tend to be a big sire and whatever you have believed about that. Um, it's not that sighing is inherently bad, but if you're a chronic sire or a chronic sniffer or a chronic yawner, right? Or a chronic coffer. I'll raise mm -hmm. my hand on that one too. Um, these are all big breathing patterns and they're all signs of dysfunctional breathing. If you were, if you had those kinds of patterns before you get COVID, they're going to be amplified afterwards mm -hmm. because of the effect on the nervous system, which revs up into sympathetic. I mean, you have to think it's not like getting a cold. People get a cold and they're like, hey, I have a cold or even the flu. Yeah, I have the flu. But people get COVID. It's like, oh, my God, I have COVID. Even if their symptoms aren't even worse, they, you know, maybe a cold, they've had worse colds, but yeah. there's emotional stress and societal stress in this kind of like, almost like you're a pariah, oh my God, and you have to quarantine and like, so there's stress and every, anytime we get stressed, our nervous system revs up. And when our nervous system revs up, our breath revs up and we breathe harder and faster. So if you're already a hard, fast, big breather, then you're stressed, then you have this thing that's impacting your immune system and your nervous system and your respiratory system and your cardiovascular system everything's having to work really really hard so your internal systems are stressed all of that is going to again there's that vicious cycle you're going to breathe harder faster the harder faster you breathe the more stressed you're going to feel the more stressed you feel the harder your body has to work the harder you know so the recovery process really is slow down just slow the break down, like rest more, pause frequently, like mm -hmm. go wash five dishes, maybe three dishes and go sit down. It's enough. And then calm your breath, wait, give your system time to assimilate the activity and recover then go and do another five dishes or maybe two, right? Like pacing the breath, pacing activity, pacing your expectations of yourself. Like what can you actually accomplish in a day? Maybe it's half of one thing, mm -hmm. right? Can you hold that as a realistic expectation until you're able to do three quarters of a whole thing, right? Half today, half tomorrow. You know, maybe next week you can do three quarters of it today, a quarter tomorrow, and then you take a day off from anything. This is a, I'm, I'm speaking this way because this is actually the way I speak to my clients with long COVID. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes there's this, again, a part of it is the societal push, like we already talked about with asana, pranayama, whatever it is in our culture, bigger, faster, more is better which is not mm -hmm. useful, especially in the realm of accessibility and the topic of what happens if you're not able to do all that. Yeah. But people get sick with COVID. Sometimes they're, whether, whether they're sick, sick or semi-sick, they're 10 days, 14 days out of work or re home responsibilities and being able to interact and do the things they're supposed to be doing. So there's this urgency. 
Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm out of quarantine. I should be better. I feel like mm-hmm. crap, but I should be mm-hmm. better. And I have to make up for all the things I have to help my spouse. I have to get back to work and t- offload my coworkers. And oh my God, and there's guilt. And so all of that push, yeah. when the body's not recovered, exacerbates the re- actual recovery process and the stress from that and all the overbreathing and the tendency to get completely out of sync. Um, by doing too much, too soon, too fast. And then, of course, the panic of now I feel worse and I'm exhausted. And then anytime I feel better, I have to do everything I possibly can while I'm feeling better. And yeah. it's a no win. I mean, this is the same. I've been working with people with CF and me for you know decades because it's my history too. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I just had to learn that the, yeah. the God of pacing or goddess of pacing rules, you just have to pace. And the people mm-hmm. who pace, their breath and pace their activity get better a lot mm-hmm. quicker. They start to feel more energy in a sustainable, quantifiable way. Mm-hmm. And are there practices that you'd recommend or slowing the breath or what, what is the, yeah. So do you want me to take you through a little breath practice? Sure. Like a little basic breath practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and maybe before you do that, maybe you yeah. could just, briefly address scope of practice. Cause I just want, you know, most, most of our community, I think are yoga teachers yeah, yeah. and practitioners and not, and some yoga therapists, but I just, I always like to clarify that there's a different role for a yoga teacher versus a yoga therapist. And absolutely, you know, I, wonder if you I can, helped, I helped write the scope um, of practice for Iowa. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm very much a scope of practice gal. Uh-huh. Everything yeah. that I'm sharing today is, is actually something that a lay person who isn't even a yoga teacher could take on and heed as useful advice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going into therapy that way, breathing through the nose, breathing lighter, breathing softer, silent, mm. less stress, right? Pacing all of those things. Good, good for everyone. Even if you don't have okay. long COVID very good for just health and well-being. Yeah. Okay. We'll be right back with this episode after a short message from one of our supporting organizations, Bella Prana Wellness Collective. The Bella Prana Wellness Collective in Tampa, Florida, believes that wellness shouldn't be a luxury, that wholeness can't exist without equity, and that everyone deserves access to healing experiences. Bella Prana has recently partnered with Black Yoga Magazine to offer an accessible teacher training program to change the landscape of yoga instructors in America. Their 200-hour Yoga Alliance certified program costs only $750 with a virtual and in-person option. The collective seeks to serve underrepresented communities. They offer Spanish-speaking classes, yoga for veterans, BIPOC community classes, chair yoga, LGBTQ plus classes, and more. With about 100 classes per week, the Bella Prana Collective offers something for every person and every body. They don't believe in fitting in at the collective, you belong. Come as you are to Bella Prana Wellness Collective. Um, okay. So the breathing practice along is along those same lines. It's, it's in taking people in the direction of functional breathing. And I'm going to do some short breath holds um, as part of the practice. I'm going to do a little subtle breathing, which to me is like fundamental, like breathing pranayama 101. Mm-hmm. 
can't do subtle mm-hmm. breathing, then like that's the first place to start. And then, um, and with that, then the short breath holds, which again are a very safe and gentle way of titrating and starting to build your CO2 tolerance up so that you can get back to functional breathing from all the over breathing and the stress breathing um, mm. that tends to take people into that low level hyperventilation that has a lot of the symptoms of hyperventilation match almost directly straight across with the symptoms of ME, F, uh, CFME and long COVID. Mm-hmm. Go figure. So, okay. yeah. All right. So I feel really comfortable sharing these and saying, give it a try. Always try it on yourself first and come to know the practice well from the inside yoga teachers before you go offering out like candy to anyone else. <laughs> That's just an integrity concern there. Okay. All right. So um, begin by just place, putting yourself in a position where you're comfortably seated. You can be in a chair. It's absolutely fine. You don't have to sit on the floor. Sit where you can be comfortable with your spine, sitting upright on your sit bones, spine extended, lips sealed. So soft seal. You don't have to like mush them together, but just a, a nice lip seal so that you're ensuring nasal breathing. And if you can hear yourself breathe, I'm going to invite you to turn the volume down so your breath becomes silent. And the silent breathing, when you are sitting, unless you're, you know, really walking up a vigorous hill or walking up a hill vigorously, no reason for you to hear your breath or exercising in a vigorous, strenuous way. If you're sitting, your breath at rest in terms of the the realm of function should be silent at rest. And also in yoga practice, I'll just put that out there too, unless you're doing some kind of crazy vinyasa flow or whatever. Um, Okay, so nasal breathing in, nasal breathing out. Let's have you place one hand on your chest and one hand on your lower rib cage. So just like your upper belly, that's the area where you can start to feel what's happening in your diaphragm. Diaphragm sits under the rib cage and is your primary breathing muscle. And you may start to feel with your hands on your body that there's a lot of movement under your upper hand. And those are your accessory breathing muscles, which once again are not necessary when you're sitting, just chilling out, breathing. So can you pacify the chest and just quiet it down? And rather than gulping in or striving to get more breath in, can you simply expand your abdomen on your inhale, really push out like you're stretching the lower rib cage out in a flare, like a flared skirt. And on your exhale, can you gather your abdominals in kind of like you're zipping up a tight pair of jeans and pull your lower ribs in with it. So on your in-breath again, you're relaxing your abdomen and stretching it outward taking the lower rib cage with you. And on your exhale, you're hugging gently inward, drawing the rib cage in so that you're getting more movement at the level of the diaphragm and the lower lobes of the lungs, which is actually where most the most efficient gas exchange happens. It's pretty inefficient to breathe up into the chest. So, Giovanna, I see some tension accruing in your neck. 
and and your jaw and your shoulders. Let's just, and some of the listeners might also be experiencing that. So let's have you roll your shoulders a little bit and do what I call a little bit of undulation because breathing is a habit and it's an extremely pervasive habit. We breathe between 20, 25,000 times a day, right? And if you have been for your whole life or most of your life, or at least the last three years since the pandemic, a stress chest mouth breather, then those muscles are, you know, on the ready, you know, to activate when you breathe. And you're actually, what you were just doing is breaking a habit, breaking a samskara. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy. So it's good to undulate and just go, oh yeah, shake that off. The idea is to keep this relaxed and easeful in the realm of sukha ease. All right. So let's have you go again, one hand on your chest, one hand on your lower ribs. And at any point in time, you don't need a hall pass from me. If you start to feel the tension build, just do a little bit of that undulation. You can undulate your jaw, your tongue, because the tongue and the jaw are very intricately related to breathing. And then come back, put your lip seal in place and go back to your light nasal breath in and light nasal breath out. Abdominal diaphragmatic action, which is again, more efficient and effective and more oriented in the parasympathetic direction, more you know, on that uh, vagal calming response, inducing that inside. So if you can just stay in there with that light breathing, doing little undulations as you can to release tension, but keep the, sustaining that light abdominal diaphragmatic breathing. We're in a training process, right? You're learning and you're noticing your body's reaction to breathing in a more functional way. It's like putting the mask on and people who say, oh, I can't tolerate the mask. It tells me right away they're dysfunctional breathers because if they can't tolerate a mask, it means they can't tolerate a a certain level of CO2 in their system because they're breathing a lot and breathing more than what is essential for their body. And so it's making it, it feels difficult. It feels suffocating because their body isn't acclimated to it because their chemistry isn't balanced. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next part of the practice we're going to shift into are the short breath holds and they are exactly what they sound like. You're going to do little tiny mini kumbhakas always after the exhale. And when you do this, I'm going to invite you to actually seal your nose. So you're going to inhale lightly through your nose, exhale lightly through your nose. You're going to place your fingers around your nostrils, seal your nostrils, and just sway back and forth about four or five times. All right. So it's about four or five seconds. Hold and then release and take a nasal breath in and a nasal breath out. And notice if that felt like, well, that was like a piece of cake, no big deal. Or if that felt like, whoa, that was kind of interesting. Or if that felt like, whoa, that was really stressful. Okay. So you could have any of those reactions. If it felt easy at that level, go ahead and do that amount again, or maybe bump it up one second. If it felt like that was really, you were just at your threshold, do just that amount. And if that felt stressful, cut it back just by one second, do three or four instead of four or five. Okay, good. And then always take, remember the pacing. You're not going to run these short breath holds, ram them right into each other. You're going to pause and just take some gentle abdominal diaphragmatic, subtle breaths in between. 
keeping the lips sealed, noticing the tendency or desire to create a little opening there and get a bigger gulp in. We're trying to titrate and train the system to need less, right? And then go in and do another repetition of the short breath holds, either sustaining the amount that you've been doing, or if you feel like, yeah, there's a little bit more freedom to, to take it up a notch to six seconds or seven seconds, you can go there. If at any point in time you feel yourself pushing into a <gasps> gasp, way too much. Or if you feel the absolute compulsion to open your mouth, too much. Or if you start to feel like, oh my God, this is getting me into a panic mode, too much. You're in charge. You choose, right? If you tend to be more of a pushy pitta person in nature, like moi, you know, you might have that ambition to like, I'm going to get to 10. Really, I'm going to invite you with pranayama, all of you to put the ego aside. It's big practice on ego putting aside and really honor the reaction in your body. So do another one and really see if you can keep it on the soft side of the edge where, yes, you're challenging your system and you're not stressing your system. Do you know that edge? If not, this is the time to learn. And pranayama is the perfect practice for you to learn how to step off of the edge of ambition and which, you know, jumps you right into the fire. You know, like keep yourself in the safe zone, cautiously challenging, right? And noticing the reaction. The more you do these short breaths, I don't mean the bigger, but the more frequently you practice them, your mm -hmm. system, the chemistry will change as you breathe lighter and less through the nose, as you practice doing short breath holds and abdominal diaphragmatic breathing, your chemistry will start to equilibrate and it won't feel like such a big deal, right? It'll feel yeah. easier. It's so interesting if I can just reflect because having, you know, I've been practicing pranayama for a long, long, like 30 years probably. And it's so ingrained in me to do those big breaths. So the minute I become conscious of my, I always transition to some big breath and especially abdominal breathing. Like that was the hardest thing just now that you did to, for me was to be conscious of abdominal breathing and not to make it big. So that was, that was really interesting. I really appreciate that. I would um, be more than happy to work with you and see if we could by changing your breath, maybe change your relationship with anxiety. I think you just did. I mean, I, we should talk again, but I really, I, that was just so useful that one practice I already, you know, I mean, if I can share about myself, like I had a major anxiety attack about five years ago um, and just completely changed my pranayama practice. I really just stopped the big breaths because just because it was all too overwhelming for me. So I think naturally there was some awareness of that, but I didn't quite understand it the way you just described it. So that was really helpful. Thank you. You're breathing much more functionally now than when, remember I said, you look a little stressed when we first came on because I was watching your breathing. I'm like, oh, yeah. stress breathing, what's going on? You know, but yeah. you're, now your breathing is much calmer. Your chest mm -hmm. is calmer. Yeah, I can see it in your face. It's nice. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, mm -hmm. um, I just wonder if there's anything else you want to share. The, um, the, the only other thing I want to share, and it came up for me just now because, um, because of my respiratory issues and my long history of hyperventilation, um, I still, and I have some airway restriction with all of that. Um, I still have a tendency towards chronic cough 
and I mentioned the violence of coughing. Um, I also want to give some tips because people with long COVID often have this residual cough and the more they cough, the, the more tired they're going to be. And so um, I highly recommend, I have one in my mouth, I just put it in because I felt the tickle, a lozenge. I like the, the Thayer's Slippery Elms um, or the DGL, things that don't have a lot of sugar in them, but I have them in every purse, in every room in my house. If I feel the slightest tickle, I go to them. I, I either have like warm temperature, room temperature water or um, something like CCFT, cumin, coriander, fennel, handful of each mm -hmm. steeped in water. It's an Ayurvedic remedy. Um, uh, licorice tea, throat coat, anything like that that's really soothing and have a warm thermos of tea and sipping on it and really quell the cough. The less you cough, the less you cough, the more you cough, the more you'll cough. It's just the way it is. So take your cough seriously and do everything you can to calm the cough. Um, keep, the, keep things moist. I'm talking about a dry cough, not if you're actually mm -hmm. at a stage where it's uh, an actual productive cough and you're clearing stuff out, but where it's just that chronically tickly inflamed dry cough, that is not useful. It's harmful. So really do what you can to quiet that. And the other piece is, um, again, I demonstrated it very well because I was on a talking rant there as happens on podcasts. Um, and the more we talk, the more we're breathing. Talking puts out a lot of CO2 and it's yeah. one of the most stressful and exhausting things we can do. The first thing I recommend for my long COVID clients is to put themselves on a three-day silent retreat, which is really hard, but I say get a clipboard. Mm -hmm. It's not that we don't want to hear from you, but <laughs> teach yourself how to communicate via writing, text, whatever, but keep your lips sealed and really retain your prana. Think of every breath out as a leakage of prana. And if you're in a state of depletion, you don't have that. So you've mm -hmm. got to build. It's like, think of it like your energetic bank account. And I talk about this in the book extensively, right? Because it's all about restoring prana, right? Is yeah. that every time we're putting out energy, we're depleting. And if we're already, our bank account is already in the arrears, then it's just going to make it worse. So really and truly become energy conservationists from the inside and mm -hmm. speak less. Okay. Taste, That's taste more, me. speak less, breathe less, <laughs> I mean, and then I, move more, little movements. You don't have to do like yeah. big exertional movements, yeah. but little tiny micro movements that keep the fascia fluid and, and, and keep things circulating is really important. Movement is how we create CO2. So that's the upside. Just laying around and being tired will just make you more tired. So movement, mm. and that's why mm -hmm. yoga and little gentle movements with yoga can be so helpful. Getting people moving in a in a in a in a in a way that doesn't strain or stress their system. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's so helpful. Um, can you tell us how to find you? Um, Absolutely. You know. Yeah. If anybody, if you have questions or comments, and you want to reach out to me. Directly, my email is Robin with an I at EssentialYogaTherapy.com. If you're interested in any of my training programs and my Restore Your Prana training is for both yoga teachers and yoga therapists. Most of the people in my training actually are yoga teachers. So if you want to mm -hmm. learn how to teach pranayama, I'm going to say it this way correctly, um, teach uh -huh. breathing from a functional 
you know, respiratory um, physiology accurate perspective steeped in the yoga teachings. Um, you can check that out on my website, which is essentialyogatherapy.com. And then I have a full yoga therapist training program, a low back training mm -hmm. program, which I have coming up in, in March. Um, so the, the, you can find out more about what I do and my books and um, lots of stuff on my digital library um, for download practices and a lot of breathing practices on there as well. So great. Thank you out. so much, Robin. And we can add yeah. that into the show notes as well. Uh, thanks for being here and for sharing with me and with all of us today. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Accessible Yoga Podcast. We're so grateful to be in community with you. Please check out our website, accessibleyoga.org, to find out more about our upcoming programs, including our annual Accessible Yoga Conference. At our website, you can also learn more about how to become an Accessible Yoga Ambassador and support the work that we are doing in the world. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also submit a question or suggest a topic or potential guest you'd like us to interview at accessibleyoga.org. See you next time.